What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 65 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover. Today, joined only by Joey Carrion, Jared Marcus, off enjoying life. So on this episode, as we do on every short slate breakdown, we're going to be going game by game rather than position by position, break down all four games in this wild card NFL slate. But before we do that, Joey, would you mind telling the people how they can support the podcast? As always, you can support the podcast by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where all of our content gets posted to, and that's the best way to keep up to date with us. And then, as always, you could you can subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and Spotify, and then go ahead and follow us on SoundCloud as well. That's where all of our podcasts get published to, and that is the best way to support us so go ahead leave a like you know share comment um share it on twitter facebook instagram to your homies whatever you want to do just do something you know yeah spread the love you know your boys will appreciate it you're basically giving them you know a line on some free money just follow the advice and uh, you know, yeah, they should appreciate so, that especially this week this oh, is yeah. this is free money this week yeah, definitely. And, you know, we can dive right into it because I think a big source of the income that you're going to be able to generate this week is going to be uh, on, on the road team of our, of our first game here. So let's kick it off uh, and start with the Bills at Houston. It is tied for the lowest total on the slate, 44. Interestingly enough, it's been bet up two and a half points since open. Texans are... Uh, what do we got? Three-point home favorites right now. Mm-hmm. Three-point home favorites uh, at home hosting the Bills. So, uh, Joey, what are your initial thoughts on this game? I mean, from a game standpoint, I don't think it's really going to be that exciting of a game, especially with the injuries to some of the Texans' skill players. Um, Will Fuller still dealing with an injury. Kenny Stills is also dealing with an injury. So that would just leave, you know, DeAndre Hopkins as Watson's uh, main guy, but he's expected to be shadowed by, you know, Tredavious White. So it's looking kind of rough for the Texans side um, of things. And for the Bills, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know. It's just the Bills, I just hate playing Bills. Maybe it's yeah, just the it's stigma. Biased. Maybe it's the stigma or the bias or, you know, we live near Buffalo and we see how bad the Bills have been over the years. So, you know, just maybe that's where it comes from. But I guess they're they're good plays this week. I, I mean, I like some of the receiving options like John Brown and Cole Beasley. But Look, bro, I'm ready to jump through the metaphorical table with these Bills this week. <laughs> Light it on fire, take some shots, and jump through the table and and make some money. Because I like pretty much all of the major bills this week. I love Josh Allen. Absolutely love Josh Allen. 6,500 at quarterback. Uh, You know, the massive chalk on the slate is going to be Drew Brees for 100 more. And you're going to get Allen at a fraction of the ownership. I think it's it's an elite leverage play uh, for GPPs. And he has three beautiful stacking options you can go with smoked brown 6k you can go with cole beasley at 5600 and you can even go with devin singletary who you know i think last week dropped back on over 80 percent of josh allen's dropbacks or i'm sorry he ran a route on over 80 percent of josh allen's dropbacks and at 6k i think he's going to be one of the better running back plays on the slate and he actually correlates well with josh allen in my opinion yeah 
I mean, I agree. I think John Brown would be my favorite option, especially for tournaments, just because we know he has a massive ceiling with Josh Allen. But, I mean, with Devin Singletary, you're just kind of hoping that he gets a couple rushing touchdowns. I mean, his snap increase uh, usage over the last couple weeks has been, you know, encouraging because they, they finally realized that Frank Gore shouldn't be playing football anymore, so... I mean, that, that's good on uh, Doug McDermott's part. But, I mean, I don't Sean mind McDermott. Josh Allen. But I will say, I mean, we were talking about it before, the pro, you know, sharp betters in the industry do like the over in this game. So that means, you know, they're expecting a lot of points out of these two teams. Um, don't really don't really know if I if I think it goes over the, you know, the 43, 43.5 uh, total right now. But... I mean, I it's don't actually mind it's those. actually already it's up to 44 44 <laughs> mm. yeah um yeah. yeah I don't know the thing with me like with the over like I personally don't see how the Texans are gonna put up a lot of points in this game especially if will Fuller's out you know maybe Kenny stills luck boxes into a touchdown or so but like I don't expect DeAndre Hopkins to do well in his matchup against Tredavious. um and other than that, they really don't have anything. You know, the Bills are elite at stopping tight ends, so it's not even a week where you could, like, convince yourself into playing Darren Fells. So, uh, you know, yeah. Duke Johnson is a is a low-ceiling player, especially in terms of fantasy. So, I don't know. I mean, unless this is going to be a Carlos Hyde, you know, 25-touch, 100-yard game, I don't see the Texans having a lot of success in this spot. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the Bills can come out and dominate this game, honestly. Um, oh, I love to hear that. Uh, yeah, I think I think they'll cover the three and a half point spread. But Carlos Hyde, you know, could be a good leverage play. He shouldn't be that owned, um, I would guess. And he's only five point one k, and he's a home favored running back. And he's you know seen great usage the entire season, pretty much. You know, he went over a thousand yards on the ground as well. So I mean, if I had to pick. A Texan to play, it would be, you know, Carlos Hyde, and that's if Will Fuller, Fuller is out. But if Will Fuller is in, then I will have a good amount of Will Fuller just for the fact that the Texans' offense is incredibly better with Will Fuller in rather than out. Like, they average, like, I don't even know, like six less or six less points with him out. Um, yeah, he's he's about a touchdown difference for them. Yeah, for it's it's crazy how one player can you know change the whole dynamic of an offense. So Will Fuller at four point nine k is my favorite Texan to play if he's in, especially in tournaments. And you know, obviously there's injury risk with him, but I'll take that risk in you know a large field tournament this weekend, like the Millionaire Maker that they have running for this four game slate. Yeah, he might be the only sub 5K player with legit, you know, 30 point upside. So mm-hmm. he's definitely got to be in consideration if you're talking about a large field GPP. Um, I guess the only other thing that I want to say about this game is that, you know, the winning GPP strategy this week is going to be to jam in four Bills players and bring it back with nobody on the Texans. And I just want to, you know, put that on the record for the people. Okay. Josh Allen. We don't. To John Brown, to Cole Beasley, to Devin Singletary. 
hell, throw Bills defense in there if you feel like it, if you're feeling balls. Yeah, I mean, we didn't mention the defense, but the Bills defense is projected right now to be the one one of the lowest own defenses. That's so crazy, I, I right? like that I like them as my favorite defense for tournaments. And yeah, that is pretty crazy, especially Will Fuller's out. They should be able to handle Watson and company. And Watson struggles against defenses like the Bills. You know, they're they're elite at stopping the pass. Obviously they'll give up some yards to running backs, but all around they're pretty decent. And Watson has had his struggles against top secondaries. Um so I, I like the Bills at three point one K, but right now the Texans are projected to be the highest owned defense at two point six. Imagine playing a chalky defense against a team that's gonna just completely light them up. I, I could I mean you're definitely higher on the Bills than me. Uh yeah. Surprise, that's... right? Big shock. <laughs> um all right i think that that just about covers that game we can move on to a game with the same point total and that'll be the saturday night game where the titans travel to foxborough gonna face the patriots in a wild card round for the first time in what joey how many years uh what like 10 or yeah 10 10 years 10 i feel like it's longer than that but yeah it's been yeah it's It's been been 11 or 12 years yeah, uh, the last this. last wild card game was in 2009 against the Ravens, and the Patriots lost 33 to 14 because Ray Rice absolutely dominated us. And I remember uh, just watching that. And, but yeah, perhaps perhaps a uh, a little bit of foreshadowing to what's going to happen this week as we've got a big dog coming to town to gash this uh, run defense. But um, so what do we think about the Patriots as home favorites uh, currently favored by five points hosting Tennessee Titans? I mean, if you just want the real answer Mm. is, you know, you go on Twitter or ESPN or CBS or wherever, you know, you get your sports information from Yahoo, NFL.com, whatever, whatever you go on and all you see it's just these clueless analysts that are saying the Patriots are done, the Titans are going to win, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. We hear this every single year. We heard this last year. The Chargers were going to go into Foxborough and beat the brakes off New England, whatever, whatever. The Patriots are going to win this game, okay? They're not losing to Ryan Tannehill. Okay, they're not losing to Ryan Tannehill at home in the playoffs. I mean, the Patriots shouldn't even be playing right now, but, you know, they had a little slip-up last week. That's whatever. Yeah. Now, do I like their chances overall to make it to the Super Bowl? You know, not as much as other years. I think to get there, it's definitely they're definitely going to have to find something ASAP to get there. But for this game specifically, the Patriots should be able to control this game and they should be able to stop Derrick Henry. The last time that the Titans and the Patriots played was in the playoffs, and they held Derrick Henry to under 30 uh, rushing yards. So I think that's going to be Bill Belichick's game plan is to sell out to stop Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannehill beat them through the air with A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay, now... I just want to know why you put a little bit of spice on the way you said Ryan Tannehill. Like, he's not clearly the better quarterback in this game. I mean... Brady's averaging, like, 
barely over like 6.01 yards per attempt. Okay, but if you okay, take I'd rather have AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, Tajay Sharp over Sanu, Dorsett, Edelman. Well, luckily for the Titans, they're not going to switch skill position players uh, entering this game. That is true. But Tom Brady, in my opinion, his skill hasn't diminished from last year or previous seasons. The people around him, yes. To for the for basically the entire season, he had no O line, so that's why he was kind of bad against pressure or is bad against uh, when he gets pressured, right? But he has nobody to throw the ball to besides Edelman. Literally, it's literally just a terrible take to say that he's bad. I mean, he's averaging barely six yards per attempt. Because and that's gonna, none that's of his receivers can get Edelman's open. Hurt. Well, they're not going to get open this week either. I mean, you know? they have as good, good of a chance as anybody. I mean, the Titans have only one win against um, teams with a winning record this year. So let's say that. We're not going to act like they're some powerhouse. All right. They're the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill has been balling. Okay. But I fully expect the Patriots defense to bounce back. And they could have a slight breaking game. I don't know, bro. I mean, Derrick Henry, first of all, he's the big dog, as as everybody knows. And I know that you cited that playoff game, but it also, in 2018, Week 10, they played, and Henry scored twice in that spot. That was Equally, also the Patriots' worst game of the year. That season, last season. I mean, that sounds like a little justification. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it was their worst game because they went up against the big dog himself, who is, you know, in this situation, coming off of a 200 11 yard rushing game with three touchdowns on the ground i hate to say it i hate to say this i hate to put it like this Mm -hmm. but all big dogs gotta die someday all right damn and they're gonna come into new england and he might have five points no that that's crazy that's actually crazy (laughs) nah but on the uh, on the real no (laughs) bias i think derrick henry is a solid play this week. I mean, he's 8.2K, so it's going to be kind of hard to fit him in, especially with the lack of value on this slate as of right now. <clears throat> but, yeah, I don't mind him. What do you think about uh, A.J. Brown coming into town to, you know, potentially repeat uh, the same way that Steph Gilmore was exposed by Mr. Devontae Parker last week? You know, if Devontae Parker can do it, I think A.J. Brown could uh, do it as well. And No. No. Um... Stephon Gilmore will likely shadow A.J. Brown unless they want to go the route of, you know, double-teaming Brown. But, I mean, I don't think he's really a player that needs to be double-teamed at this point. I mean, he's been really good, but I think... And, and the Patriots are going to want to double-team the bane of their existence, Corey Davis. They're not yeah, going to mean, want to leave that's the bane of that's the bane of Malcolm Butler's existence. I know there was some dudes... I mean, there were some dudes talking about how Corey Davis roasted Gilmore, but obviously they don't watch the Patriots games. It was Malcolm Butler that got roasted by Corey Davis. But, I mean, he's 3.8K, so I wouldn't mind taking a shot on shot on uh, Davis in tournaments either. I mean, the Patriots defense has gotten exposed the last couple of weeks. Granted, I kind of just put that on the players just playing really bad. Um like, Gilmore yeah. had his worst game of the year last year, and Devontae Parker has been no scrub this year. He's been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. 
So that happened last week. But other than that, I just put that on the players just being really, really bad. Uh, That's true. You also got to account that the Patriots' defense has gone up against a couple of powerhouses like Miami and Cincinnati in the last three yeah. weeks. So that, that's yeah. going to go against them too. But um, <laughs> Julian Edelman, let me ask you about this as someone who watches a lot more Patriots tape than I do. You know, when he's healthy, Edelman can beat any DB in the league, you know. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that he's not healthy right now. He's dealing with a knee injury and a shoulder injury. And he's gone from being a bankable, consistent cash game option to basically being a GPP dart throw. He's got under six points in two of his last three games, no more than eight targets in a game over that last three. And, you know, coming into that span, he had seen nine plus targets in every game since week four. Now he's going to be going up against Logan Ryan, who's basically the one bright spot in an otherwise abysmal Tennessee secondary. So, I mean, what do we think about Edelman this week at 6,500? He's priced in between guys like, you know, DK Metcalf and John Brown and right above him, like Tyler Lockett. So I think he's got the lowest ceiling out of these plays. But, I mean, are we going to look there uh, in, in a potential, you know, a must-win game, obviously, for the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a must-win game, Ben. They're in the playoffs. Um, oh, that's what I said, obviously. So, yeah, so obviously they want to win. And I think Edelman is it? I think he's a solid play. Um over the last three weeks, we've seen you know a lower snap count for Edelman. I think they realize they realized that he was playing really hurt, uh, really injured, and they needed to get him a rest. Um, you know, I think he only played like twenty percent of the snaps last week against the Dolphins. Really, only played when you know they needed him out there to try and win. Um, just attribute that to them thinking they were just going to breeze through that game without him. But today, a report. Uh, came out on Edelman saying that, you know, he quoted or saying, quote, from Edelman that he feels good and he feels better than he has in the last few 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 weeks and he feels good enough to go out, to go out and compete at a high level. So that's from the man himself. So if that's true, I think Edelman is a solid play this week at 6,500 and should be relatively low-owned as well. Okay, okay. I mean, I'll just go on record and say I'm not playing Julian Edelman this week. He's gonna get uh, gonna get locked down by Logan Ryan. But um, mm, yeah, yep. After you say he could be any corner in the league, he's gonna get locked down by Logan Ryan when, when he's healthy. Nah, uh, Julian Edelman is the only wide receiver on the Patriots that can do anything you know worthwhile. So I would expect him to have about 25 targets in this matchup. Got you, um, got you. Do you like any of the the ancillary wide receivers like no, Harry or No. No, or no, 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 no. Sanu shot on Dorset. You know, maybe it's just because of the Patriot system, but these, you know, backup options at wide receiver just they're not good. I mean Harry has shown some promise when they get him the ball, but he's still far from contributing at a high level. Muhammad Sanu drops a pass every other pass or every other target I should should say um so can't trust him and they don't play dorset at all for some reason i mean he he has four two speed but you know can't separate from anybody for some reason so I mean, it's gonna be tough when his quarterback is you know throwing six yards down the field for him to to do much you know? yeah but i mean in order to get deeper throws you have to get open and tom brady's not gonna throw it into coverage when you know you can't get open 
Um, that's just the type of quarterback he is. Obviously, he's going to make the smart play, not the not the Jameis Winston play. But the Patriots do have the second highest team total on the slate, so Vegas is expecting a solid offensive performance from New England. So if you want to go with Tom Brady at 5.8K, I don't mind it. I think Edelman is a great play. He'll probably be in my lineup. Um, other than that, I guess we could look to guys like James White. I think James White will be heavily involved this weekend as well as he is pretty much the Patriots' second-best wide receiver. Um, and I'll never play Sony Michelle, so I won't even say him. So, yeah. yeah. James, James White is my favorite option on the Patriots this week. You know, it sets up really well. Um, you know, as, as unpredictable as Patriots' running back usage can be, you know White is going to have a pretty consistent role out there. Tennessee's allowing the third-most receptions to running backs through the regular season, so I think he answers a good matchup. Uh, you know, a good spot, and he pairs well with Brady's low, uh, you know, yards per attempt. So I, I like I like all of that with James White. Um, that's really all I've got for this game. I don't trust anybody else. I mean, deep deep sleeper. If you're trying to bank in a in a like something like the Millie this week, you could play Tajay Sharp, who's getting a lot of. He's basically the full time slot receiver. So if the if the Titans get down and they're starting to play more three wide sets. You know, Tajay Sharp has a two-touchdown game in the last three weeks. He, he could do it, but that's, like, super thin. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play him. This game is definitely not going to be the tournament winners. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. We can move on to uh, what I think is going to be clearly the most popular game to game stack. It's going to be the Sunday morning 1.05 p.m. game. Uh, highest total on the slate, currently at 50 points. We've got the Vikings traveling to New Orleans. Uh, <clears throat> bet It's been bet up three points. It opened at 47 all the way up to 50 now. It's also got the biggest spread, with the Saints being home favorites by eight points. So what do you think about this game? And, I mean, we can start with Michael Thomas because that's going to be the key decision point. He's the clear best play of you know any player at any position this week but he's also going to be massively owned on this on yeah. this uh, four game slate yeah he's going to be the highest owned player on the slate in my opinion even though he's 9.3k i mean it's michael thomas he's had an incredible year has seen insane targets pretty much every game and just the thing with the saints is they're at home going up against a bad secondary and he has a really really good matchup against Xavier Rhodes so I mean Michael Thomas is just a fantastic play this week and honestly you know I think the Saints will I think the Saints will cruise in this game um and I think it'll be on the backs of uh Drew Brees to Michael Thomas so obviously that's my favorite stack but that's not you know really contrarian obviously no, definitely not. So, do you think that there is merit to fading him in tournaments? Uh, see, that's hard because you know we were talking about it before the pod, and it's hard to win a tournament when you're playing a wide receiver over nine k, and honestly, a player over nine k. But that was for you know the the big slates during the seventeen weeks of the regular season, you know with 10 plus games where there's more options to choose from um yeah and the volatility of wide receiver yeah. like if you're gonna be one of these gpp winners it's probably because you found the guys who four or five exit at, at low price uh, yeah right? at and five six k um 
the tournament construction for this season was definitely uh, what you said, find those 5K uh, wide receivers at, you know, the lower price guys that just go off for 30 points. But on a four-game slate, I think it's hard to fade Michael Thomas. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, interestingly, we were looking back at some of the GPP winners from Thanksgiving, you know, a pretty comparable slate, three-game versus four-game slate. And Michael Thomas was on winning rosters in that week, and he honestly busted that week, right? He only Mm -hmm. had 10.8 points Mm -hmm. and still was on GPP winning teams. So I I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's, like, like, necessarily insane, to fade him because there are ways that this week plays off where, you know, say, you know, Tyler Lockett, Stefan Diggs, uh, a Bills receiver, DK Metcalf, like Will Fuller, if he's healthy, like these guys could put up comparable, you know, scores to Michael Thomas. Obviously their median projection is much, much lower, but I mean, I, I think that the mid range of wide receiver is a lot stronger than the mid range of running back. So, I mean, if, if, it's possible where you could find three wide receivers that combine for, you know, 70, 80 points, right? Not including Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely possible this week. And honestly, you know, if, if we're talking about just the optimal tournament strategy, that's the way that you should go if you want to build your lineups. But obviously tournaments are, you know, negative EV in their own right, especially the large field, you know, tournaments like the Millionaire Maker, even on a four-game slate. Um, you're going to want to find ways to get different. I mean, fading Michael Thomas is definitely one of the best ways. But then again, if he has 35 points, you're going to need to have him, I think. Yeah. Even even if some of these guys in the 5 to 6K range go off. Um, but with that being said, like you said, he did uh, end up on the winning lineup on Thanksgiving with only 10 points, and he was 9.1K on that, on that three-game slate, so... Yeah, and I mean, his matchup against Xavier Rhodes is going to be, I mean, it's just, it's terrible yeah. for, for the Vikings. They're going to get ate up by Thomas. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely got to have some, some nuts to fade Michael Thomas. But I mean, yeah, if you're building optimally, I think the right move would be to fade him. But then again, it's just always hard because, like, he has, you know, 40-point upside and there's really no other saints receivers that you can play you know as leverage off him so it, it, it makes it hard i think the only decent leverage uh off of him in terms of this offense would be jared cook at tight end because he's been very consistent and he's also shown the ability to have monster games he's got two multiple touchdown games in his last four he's got the most touchdowns of any tight end on this slate with nine on the season over zach Ertz, over goddard over I don't know, Johnny Smith. They're, they're, I mean, the tight ends are ugly this week, but I think that Jared Cook is, um, you know, arguably the best option on the slate. It gets very close if we get news that Zach Ertz is out. He has practiced uh, twice, which we'll talk about in a minute here, but has yet to be cleared for contact. So I think we're going to be looking at a situation where it's Dallas Goddard and it's Jared Cook. And, uh, you know, I would expect Cook to be a lot less owned than Goddard, especially if we get Ertz news. Yeah, Goddard should be the highest owned tight end if Ertz is out. But I, I do like Jared Cook a lot, um, maybe just as much as Goddard this week. And especially if you're going to get him at low ownership, I think he is a good GPP play. <clears throat> but 
I mean, we got to look at some of the Vikings options as well. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think this is a good spot for Kirk Cousins. Obviously, it's indoors. They have the highest total on the slate. It's a rising total. Um, betters love the over in this game out of any you know bet to make this weekend. So I think Kirk Cousins is a solid option. And then, obviously, you can stack them with Thielen, Diggs, maybe even Kyle Rudolph if you want to get a little bit fancy. He's 3.5K. Um, I really don't expect the running backs to do much in this game, though. Kamara and Dalvin Cook. And it's going to be hard because I, I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about Michael Thomas. But it's like if you play Thomas, you're not playing, you know, Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook, I would think. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, I guess you just have to choose which route you want to go. I think I would prefer the Michael Thomas route, but I wouldn't hate anybody for, you know, going the Dalvin Cook or Kamara route. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the Vikings did a good job of resting Dalvin Cook. He's practicing fully. They sat him down in weeks uh, 16, 17, and, um, you know, he's going to come back healthy. It's just a tough matchup, even with the defensive line injuries that the Saints have. And then on the other side, like you mentioned, Alvin Kamara, I mean, you know, he's had four of his six touchdowns on the year in the last two games. Like, obviously, he was a, a you know, touchdown regression to the main candidate all year. But even so, it's like, I just don't expect that to continue. I don't think that, I mean, this guy scored two touch, two touchdowns on 10 touches last week. Like, that's just so unsustainable. Yeah. Um, and the Vikings are a pass funnel. So I think that the way you beat Minnesota is through the air, not on the ground. I mean, Alvin Kamara could smash. He sets up well being a home favorite by eight points. So... I don't know. There's different ways to look at it, but I just like, uh, you know, some of the other running back options, James White, maybe an Eagles running back, which we'll get to in a little while here. But, you know, Kirk Cousins, it's a primetime game. We have to consider that. It's a long sample of him being pretty bad under the lights, but I, I don't know. I mean, I like him as well, like you, like you mentioned this week. And the options to stack, Steph Diggs and Adam Thielen. Diggs is, an ama- is you know, just an amazing play. What do you think about Thielen, though? Because Thielen, to me, could be one of those players that breaks this slate. Obviously, he's got a massive ceiling. We just haven't seen it in a while. He's been injured for a while, not playing healthy. But, I mean, he had a 35-point game early in the year. Uh, We know that he's the type of player that can score multiple touchdowns. It's just a matter of, is he going to be healthy in this spot? He should avoid Marshawn Lattimore's coverage, who who we would expect to be on digs. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't know if Lattimore's going to be on Thielen or Diggs. I don't know who they view as, you know, the clear-cut number one th- threat. It probably is Diggs. It has to be Diggs, at least this season. Yeah, yeah, especially this season. But, I mean, from a talent perspective, I think Thielen is better than Diggs. Um, but, yeah, I think he, I think he does have slate-breaking upside. It's just, you know, he's been hurt. And then when he came back, he just wasn't in sync with Cousins. Obviously took the game off last game against the Bears, you know, which helped might get him a little bit more healthy. I mean, it's hard, but if you want some leverage off of Diggs and some of these other guys at the top range, I think Thielen is the perfect option in a good matchup. Um, So I, I, I like Thielen. I like the Vikings pass catchers i mean obviously this game is going to be probably the highest owned game out of the four but you could get these vikings at low ownership like right now kirk cousins is projected to be like the third low third lowest owned quarterback on the slate just after brady and Tannehill. 
And then, you know, Diggs and Thielen are projected to be, you know, low-owned as well. So Thielen especially. Like, yeah. Thielen is not going to be owned in this spot. And he's in a price range where, you know, people are going to be playing John Brown, Cole Beasley, DK Metcalf, you know, mm-hmm. probably Julian Edelman more than him. So, yep. I don't know. I, I love Adam Thielen as a GPP play this week, especially if, you know, his ownership actually is that low. Yeah, I love Thielen as well. I love Diggs as well, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I'd rather play them than the Bills guys, but... Uh, we'll see come come Saturday. No, yep, that's pretty much all I've got. I mean, if you're gonna play a another you know Saints player besides Thomas or Cook or Camara, I mean, I just want I'll shout out Trey Way, aka Trey Quan Smith. I mean, he's had some success this year. Five touchdowns on the year. Uh, you know, caught five for five last week against Carolina, and a touchdown. So I don't know. He's four K. If you're fading Michael Thomas, maybe he, you know, he scores a touchdown and you know pays off value because hopefully, there's really no value at 4K. Yeah, hopefully the Saints just don't suffer another losing, you know, game, another heartbreaking game this week, this weekend. Minneapolis Miracle Part Two. Yeah, it's coming. Um, yeah, you good to move on here? Anything yep. else? Nope. All right. Finally, we've got the last game. That we're going to be discussing here, we've got the Seattle Seahawks going to Philly to face the Eagles. This game has the second highest uh, total on the week with 46. Seahawks are one-point road favorites. And uh, what do you think about this game here? I mean, first, I just want to shout out to DraftKings for mm-hmm. giving us the Seahawks plus three on Monday night. Or not Monday night, Sunday night. Don't know what they were thinking with that. I mean, they must have just slapped a number because... Everywhere else on Monday night, the Seahawks open as one-point favorites, and, you know, I got them at plus three, which is insane value. Because you bet it, like, five minutes after the, <laughs> the Seahawks game ended. I mean, if we're, you know, we're not a sports betting podcast, but if you like to gamble out there, the most optimal time to bet games is, you know, right after the lines open. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're a fantasy podcast, so let's just talk about, some of the players in this game, I mean, I, I like Russell Wilson a lot. The Eagles secondary is nothing to be scared of, but he's the highest on, or not the highest on, he is the, you know, the highest priced quarterback on the slate. But I think, uh, you know, playing Tyler Lockett can give you, um, obviously, exposure to Russell Wilson. And I think Tyler Lockett has had some uh, pretty mediocre games recently. I mean, he had a solid 17-point game against San Francisco, but he's been largely inconsistent over the last uh, couple weeks. So I think Tyler Lockett can uh, give you a solid ceiling in tournaments, and he is expected to be lower owned than, you know, some guys below him, such as Diggs, Edelman, John Brown, etc. Yeah, definitely, and, you know, Metcalf as well sets up really well. Had a 12-target game last week, 6 for 81 and a touch, 20.1 DK points. And, you know, just uh, I like both of those players. I do think that I would lean towards Lockett in GPPs because, you know, people are going to have recency bias. He's a player with a very wide range of outcomes. But if we're in GPPs, that's what we want is somebody with a really, really high ceiling and uh, maybe a, a floor low enough to scare a lot of people off. So I'm, I'm down with playing yeah. Wilson to Lockett stacks. I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people to want to click on Russell Wilson when, you know, Drew Brees is 200 less 
at home against, you know, Minnesota. So I think that that's definitely a good leverage stack to make. And uh, I don't know. The running game for Seattle is pretty questionable. Marshawn Lynch did not look good. He did not look good in that game. Travis Homer was far superior. Yeah, and I mean, Travis Homer can catch as well, so that boosts his, uh, you know, play. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Playability? But yeah, that, I mean, that boosts his fantasy outlook. He can catch the ball as well. He had five targets, five catches for 30 yards last week, only 10 rush attempts, but, I mean, that's 15 touches. He's 5.3K this week. I think I think he's a solid option. But the Eagles do have a solid run defense. just want to say that. Um, they're really good against the run. But, yeah, Marshawn Lynch, uh, yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you take – you know, a year and a half off of football. You know, he retired too busy eating Skittles and skydiving and, and whatever nonsense that he's been doing. But, yeah, that's what happens with that. So, he's definitely not in play this week against the Eagles. But, you know, some some donkey, some fish will probably play Marshawn and he'll have, you know, some beast mode run and break the slayer for some reason but that that would be tough to stomach but i could yeah. definitely see it happening um, i mean it's just the seahawks pass catchers for me um in this yeah spot. i agree i've i've uh, not too much interest in hollister either but i mean i guess you know he was pretty close to getting that uh final touchdown for the seahawks so i mean that would have boosted uh, his outlook i guess heart, but, heartbreaking yeah that, uh-huh. that was tough to tough to stomach but um yeah, I don't know. I think my tight end pool will not include him. I would rather play Janu and uh, obviously the two guys above him as well. Yeah. But, um, the Eagles running back situation is where I think the slate is going to get really interesting because Miles Sanders uh, missed practice Wednesday, missed practice on Thursday. We'll find out on Friday what his true status is, but uh, we could be looking at a situation where it's Boston Scott and uh, Jordan Howard returning. Now, Jordan Howard was the clear-cut starter for this team to open the year. Missed a ton of time to injury. He was basically out from week nine on. He was, uh, you know, active last week but didn't touch the ball. And then Boston Scott, this dude just completely just snapped in week 17 against the Giants. Had 19 attempts for 54 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Added four receptions for 84 yards. Put up 358 DK points, and I think that he would be the clear option to favor just because he has a significant pass game role, and it would make sense for the Eagles to try and ride, uh, you know, the hot hand here. And Boston Scott, you know, last week alone against the Giants was better than Jordan Howard has been yeah. uh, at any I mean, point in the year. Jordan Howard is their clear-cut RB3 uh, at the moment, so he's definitely not in play. If Miles Sanders can, you know be healthy and play in this game i like him a lot at 6.2 but it's honestly looking like it's going to be the boston scott show so boston scott is 5.8k and you know for all the stuff that you mentioned just the fact that you know he's he has a solid matchup at home against the seahawks i would lock in boston boston scott all day in tournaments And even cash games, you know, if you're playing cash on this four-game slate. Personally, I'm not just going to focus on trying to bank a tournament before the season's over, trying to bank this Millie. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, Boston Sky is definitely going to be a lock for me if Sanders can't suit up. Um, and then Howard is an easy fade, easy, easy fade. 
I mean, if, if Sanders is inactive, I would be willing to look at Jordan Howard and GPPs because, I mean, he was the clear-cut starter before he got injured, you know, over Miles Sanders. And, yeah, that was definitely, like, eight weeks ago at this point. But even so, I mean, he had big games. He had, you know, seven touchdowns in the year in weeks one through nine. So, I mean, he's got touchdown upside. It would make sense, I think, you know, from a personnel standpoint to, you know, put Howard in closer to the goal line, despite what Boston Scott did. Yeah. You know, I mean, three of his touchdowns, three of his five touchdowns on the year, you know, came in one week, week 17 against the Giants. So, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, Boston Scott offers a lot more, you know, explosion, but, uh, you know, this staff could lean on Howard. But I don't know. Uh, Just as a GPP dart throw, uh, Miles Sanders would have to be ruled out for that. But. Uh, what about tight end, where we've got another injury situation? This Eagles team simply cannot be healthy whatsoever at any point this year. Zach Ertz looks like he is trending in the wrong direction. He is practicing Wednesday. He practiced Thursday, but has not been cleared for contact. And uh, it seems like a long shot for him to play this week. Yeah, I doubt Zach Ertz is going to be able to suit up for this game, especially with it being Thursday and he can't even be contacted yet in practice who knows he might tough it out and suit up but even if that happens i wouldn't feel comfortable playing him especially at 6k and especially in tournaments when we know that paying up for tight ends usually does not win you the money um so but dallas goddard is 5.2k so he's kind of pricey um projected to be the highest owned tight end especially if zach Ertz misses and right now he's just their you know, their best offensive pass catcher. And honestly, their best offensive player besides Wentz. So Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of merit to playing him. He's averaging 11 targets over, uh, you know, the last two games. Uh, It's a good matchup against Seattle. They don't guard tight end overly well. And, you know, Goddard was massive chalk last week and really didn't pay off, only finished uh, with four for 65, 10.5 DK points. I mean, I don't think that's going to really hold people from playing him back necessarily on such a, you know, short slate with not too many options. But, you know, say Zach Ertz does play, say he's active, at least I think that that would give uh, Goddard a a big hit to his ownership and would make him a much better play. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I just want to say that if you're playing tournaments, (coughs) I think definitely the move is to, you know, pay down a little bit. I mean... I wouldn't mind playing Jared Cook, but if we look at, you know, the people who have won the tournaments so far this NFL season, they're really they really haven't been paying up for tight ends. It's one of those spots where you just want to try and find a guy that has a shot to reach his ceiling at a at a low price tag. So I'd kinda of be more inclined to go with Hollister, John Smith, maybe even, you know, some Kyle Rudolph, just take a shot at that. But Dallas Goddard is, you know, the best tight end play on the board. Yeah, and uh, I mean, as far as the Eagles wide receivers go, do you have any interest there? You know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is 3.3K. He's a complete scrub, so I don't think we can go there. But it's a good matchup. Like, Seattle's corners are not good right now. And Greg Ward's priced all the way up to 5,200. But, I mean, he should be consistent. It's just a matter of ceiling for GPPs uh, if we can go with Ward. But... Yeah, I mean, his no. target share will be consistent. Yeah, I mean, he should see between six to eight targets in this game. There's nobody else to throw the ball to for the Eagles. They've just suffered a lot a lot of injuries. Um, that's why I like the Seahawks in this game. But 
Yeah, I don't feel comfortable playing any Eagles pass catcher besides Goddard, especially in tournaments when, you know, we're trying to have players who have the potential to reach their ceiling. And I don't think guys like Greg Ward and, you know, Whiteside can do that. Yeah, I feel you on that. Any interest in Wentz this week? It doesn't sound like it. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's just no healthy options. I mean, I'd rather play Kirk Cousins for a hundred more, rather play less or hunt. Yeah, hundred less. That's what I meant. Hundred less. I'd rather play. You know, Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Russ Wilson. Just I would just try and find the salary. He's in that kind of spot where it's like, yeah, I don't really want to touch him. And the quarterback pricing is actually relatively close this week. Um, yeah. So definitely. I so I think the leverage in tournaments is going to be the guys that you pick for your skill positions. You know, obviously your running backs, your wide receivers. I think that's where the leverage is going to be. I don't think you will you can get much at quarterback unless one of these guys, you know, goes off for a 40-point burger, which uh, Drew Brees would be the most likely candidate in that for, for that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's no. going to be tough when everyone's drawing dead with Josh Allen having a 40-burger in the first game. Yeah, no. Uh, but other than that, yep, I'm not really on this game. Um, on it for my bet, of course, but other than that, not really. Yeah, I like the Seahawks side and, and a couple of the, you know, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard maybe, but mm-hmm. that is really it. We can close out the show here with a contrarian stack, uh, something that can win a large field GPP. I will defer to my... Uh, my boy Joey here to go first. I know that he's going to be chasing that Millie this week. So, uh, what's that lineup going to look like? What's the stack? I mean, obviously, I'm going to have you know the Drew Brees stack as my main lineup. But for my contrarian lineup, I'm I'm planning on running like you know three or four lineups this week. Um, contrarian lineup definitely you know the Kirk Cousins to Thielen or Diggs, maybe both and then run it back with uh, Jared Cook. That That's my favorite low-owned stack this week. Yeah, even I think it, that it will be low-owned. Yeah, sure. it'll be low-owned even though, you know, it's a stack in the highest uh, total on the slate. I don't, I don't think many people are going to play Kirk Cousins, especially with what we talked about in his uh, struggles in prime time. So yeah, I, no, for sure. For yeah. Sure. I, I agree with that. Uh, that would be mine as well, but I'll give a different one just to spice things up. And this is actually one of my favorite. Uh, it's sort of like a game theory stack. It's not like a direct stack, but it's a game stack that I think correlates well. And uh, that would be playing Mr. Derrick Henry, a.k.a. the big dog, and stacking him with James White. Now, I mean, traditionally, two running backs from the same game is not optimal, but I think they actually pair really well. You know, despite Derrick Henry being relatively game script dependent, you know, his floor has been pretty high. His massive ceiling games all come in wins. So if, you know, Derrick Henry has a massive ceiling game, which you would have to believe that he would if you're going to be playing him all the way up at 8.2K, it stands to reason that it would be a game that the Titans are winning. And we know what happens when the Titans are winning. It means that James White is getting like 10 dump offs in the fourth quarter. So I think that they correlate really well together. It's not just a traditional you know, running back, running back correlation. I think it makes a lot of sense to go that way. And both of them are pretty decent plays on their own, and I just think that it makes sense if you're going to play one, play the other. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, I don't know how well Derrick Henry's going to do this weekend. 
but we'll see. It's going to do well. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think that is all we've got. I hope that uh, we gave some actionable info for the people out there. We will be back next week as well to do, uh, to do the divisional round. And, uh, yeah, make sure you uh, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff, at the DFS Dose on all platforms. You can also follow our personal Twitters. Uh, mine is at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyCarrion underscore. You can follow our boy Jared Marcus as well at Jared underscore underscore. Marcus and uh, yeah we will see you guys next week let's hope that uh, one of us or one of you listeners out there banks a GPP well I'm banking this Millie so yeah exactly Joey's gonna be real happy this uh, this next show but uh, yeah we'll see you next week